Hi there, and welcome to Map the Maze. Separation and divorce is difficult for every family, and the ideas and tools that I'm sharing are based on my own experience and reading. They may be useful for you, or they may not be. Some will resonate, and some won't. Nothing in the podcast is designed to be legal, financial, or mental health advice for your specific circumstances. You should always seek professional advice for your situation and your circumstances. Knowledge is power. Hi, welcome to Mount the Maze. This is the first episode in a new podcast series looking at ideas, thoughts, tools to help people who are experiencing separation and divorce and going through family mediation. So let me introduce myself. My name is Salasi Hombing and I work as a mediator in Hong Kong, primarily as a family mediator. A few years ago, a client said to me, that he felt as if he was standing on the edge of a maze. A maze that he didn't want to enter. He had no idea about what was waiting for him on the inside of the maze. And if there was even an outside, was there anything on the other side of the maze? And that metaphor has stuck in my mind. The idea that people who are transitioning through separation and divorce are in the most difficult period of their lives for many people. And that at that time, they face additional and unexpected uncertainties and challenges has really framed my practice. So as a family mediator, I want to help. And that is really the genesis for this podcast. So let me tell you a little bit about my own conflict journey. So I started my professional practice as a solicitor I qualified in the UK and then moved back to Hong Kong and was a criminal litigator. So as you can see, perfect background for a family mediator. I was a criminal litigator for about a year and a half and then went into banking. Again, a very another very aligned profession and stayed in banking for 14 years. So working as legal counsel and then uh, on the trading floor for the last 11 years. So my personal journey of conflict has gone from being totally conflict avoidant, i.e. anything is better than engaging in conflict, to having a highly competitive style in conflict. And about 2010, I decided that I really wanted to do something more constructive. And for reasons that I still cannot really remember, I decided to go and do a mediation training course. And it was like a duck going to water. It felt right. So I decided to deepen my training and go and do a master's. And at the time, based on some, I think, pretty good advice, ended up going to the Strauss Institute for Dispute Resolution at Pepperdine University, which you may not have heard of, but you've probably heard where it's based, which is Malibu, and spent a year doing an LLM. And for me, beyond getting a qualification, that year changed my life. It changed the way I understood conflict. It changed the way I thought about conflict. 
And since then, it has changed the way that I behave in conflict. So it was the first time that I was able to reflect on what conflict meant to me, my preferences, my behavior, the choices that I was making. Even the idea that there are choices that you can make in conflict was novel for me. So for many people, how we behave in conflict is subconscious. I'm going to repeat that because I think it's important. We behave in conflict the way that we have been taught through lessons or experience. And very often that is operating beneath the level of our consciousness. We are not making conscious decisions about how to behave. We are just reacting. And those lessons come initially from our family of origin. Those are some of the strongest lessons that we learn about what conflict means, how conflict is handled, where the conflict is resolved, from society, from community, religious values and norms, and even from our professional training. So I know that for me, my professional training and then working as a litigator and then working in banking shaped the way that I engaged in conflict. Since finishing the master's, I returned to Hong Kong and have been working as a mediator, both in commercial disputes, partnership disputes, but primarily in family mediation. So I have sat in rooms with people for literally hundreds of hours and experienced their conflict and worked with them to try and move through their conflicts. And then the last part of my journey that I think is relevant to this podcast is that I'm a child of divorce. That I remember during my first family mediation training, watching a video with an interview with a group of children whose families were separating. And one of them was a little girl who was four, and she was just talking about how she felt about what was happening to her family. And before I even realized... I found that I was crying for her and her story and also for the little girl of three that I had been when my parents divorced. So this work is both something that I enjoy professionally and it has personal meaning to me that I strongly believe that people can do better in conflict, that we can experience less pain in conflict and that we can, we can increase our understanding and increase our skill level. So acting as a mediator, we try and assist everybody in the mediation to move through and to work constructively. And over the last couple of years, I felt very strongly that I wanted to give people more access to information and that doing this podcast was one way to do that. So I want to try and help demystify the mediation process. Even just talking about mediation, I think, can be a challenge for people. For mediators, it becomes second nature to us, but we maybe forget how unnatural the process is compared to what most people experience in the outside world. And the reasons for that, I think, are historical. That traditional mediation which maybe happened in a community or in a family or in a village situation where you might have a respected elder who essentially imposes solutions on parties and seeks their compliance is very different to modern mediation. 
that the roots of modern mediation lie in the labor movement of the 1970s in the US, and therefore their philosophical basis is different. It's not about harmony, it's about empowerment. It's about parties self-determining, making informed choices for themselves. It's based on a belief that all individuals have resources within themselves to solve problems, to answer the big questions that they're facing in their lives. So in mediation, we ask people to engage with each other in a way which is usually a very new process for them, particularly in family mediation, where parties will have long-standing patterns of how decisions were made, how conflicts were resolved, even what information was shared. And we ask them to make decisions, discuss things, resolve conflicts, share information in a new way. So it's a new way of negotiating and communicating at an incredibly difficult time for most people. And it's a, it's a big ask. So it began to feel a little bit like we were asking parties to sit an exam and we weren't telling them what the syllabus was. So the hope is that through this podcast, I can maybe help to lift the curtain a bit and give people some insights, some ideas, some tools about how to map the maze that is their family mediation. So there are quite a few topics that I want to focus on, but here's, a, I guess, an overview of some of the topics that I think are really important. Negotiation. So what do mediators wish parties knew about negotiation in mediation? And how is it different from what you might be used to in your relationship or even at work? So often I see people who come in and say, oh, I negotiate all the time. And this is, this is what we need to be doing. And it is quite a different way of negotiating from the way that we encourage parties to negotiate in mediation. So we're going to be talking about how is interest-based negotiation or what we call principal negotiation different from distributive or positional negotiation, which is what most people do in their day-to-day -day jobs. Communication is another subject which I think is really important, that most people that I see in family mediation struggle to communicate with each other on some level, particularly when they're talking about issues that are difficult, complex, or where they have very strong views on either side of a question. And that everybody can learn to be more effective in terms of their communication. So I think understanding why words matter, why the way in which we phrase things can lead people to be more receptive to what we're saying, or even just understand what we're saying. I remember talking with a client who said, oh, but I'm really good at communicating. It's just the other person doesn't understand me, which I think is how it felt for them. But the reality is that communication is a two-way street. So if the message isn't getting through, you need to rejig the message. We, I think it's helpful to talk about regulating emotions. So what happens emotionally and psychologically for people during a separation or divorce? And how does that impact what is happening in the mediation? So many people that I work with feel either very angry or very hurt by what's happened. And in addition, people can feel a real sense of ambivalence towards the other person. They 
both want to be separated from that person, but they care about them on some level. And that can be really difficult to reconcile and difficult to process when you're going through a family mediation. So I think one of the things that is helpful that we'll be doing on the podcast is trying to look at how emotions work, how our brains work when we're in conflict, and then also some tools that we can all use to help regulate emotion. That expressing emotions is normal, feeling emotions is normal, but sometimes if we're trying to negotiate, they can get in the way of what we're trying to express. I also want to focus on mediation. What is actually going on during the process? How does it work? And also some tips on how anyone can prepare for their mediation. Uh, What are some things that would help anybody uh, who's facing a mediation to get through it? That I also want to talk about co-parenting. So if you are separating and you also have children, then you're going to need to co-parent with your ex-partner, at least on some level. There will need to be some interaction, some level of communication. So mediation is a real opportunity to co-create what the separated family is going to look like going forward. That for a lot of people, they've never had these conversations about how do we talk about things? Uh, What are the beliefs that we both have around behaviors? Um, This is a first time for a lot of people to have those conversations. And it can be a really powerful way of setting up a roadmap at a time when people feel that there is just chaos. And for people who don't have children but are separating or divorcing, it's also worth considering what type of closure do you need from this mediation? Is there something that needs to be addressed that maybe hasn't been addressed? Are there words that need to be said? Are there acknowledgements that need to be given? So one aspect is looking at all of those different issues and talking about them. Another is that I'll be using some interviews to talk with other professionals. So I have been incredibly fortunate to meet some really wonderful professionals from other mediators to mental health professionals to financial advisors, all working with separating families. And I'll be inviting them on to share some of their thoughts and experiences. So these are people that I have learned a huge amount from, and I'm looking forward to sharing that with you. So that's why I'm doing this podcast, and it's a little bit of a forecast of what's coming ahead. Forecasting is something we like doing in mediation, and I hope that you will join me in the next podcast when we will be looking to talk about what is the maze? What do I mean by the maze? So I hope to see you back here next week. Thanks very much and take care.